to another episode of Little Insights. Uh, today, we're joined by Adam and Ross. How are you doing, Fat? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Yeah, you're good, 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 good. And uh, it's that time of the show where we actually introduce our podcast fact. So, over to Ross. What have you got for us this time? So, my fact for this episode is that pupils in China receive the most amount of homework in the world. So, I'm just going to ask you two, how, how much homework do you think a teenager receives in China? Five hours a week. Five hours. Per, right, yeah, so if we do it per week, maybe a bit more, more like, I don't know, 10 hours a week. So it's 14 hours for a teenager in China. Ooh, so it's two hours a day then? Two hours a day. Including weekends. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, including weekends, yeah. I think that's a vast amount of homework. Yeah, what, what, what's the Chinese school day like? What's the, do we know that? Not entirely sure, actually. No, I probably should have maybe researched that before we started. <laughs> but... But even still, fourteen hours—that's that's significant. Because let's say you know, even on a sort of a school day here, get home at four o'clock, bolt on two hours to your day there. Yeah, that's... I don't know how you two feel about homework. For me, the jury's still out. On, I mean, yeah. there's plenty of studies out there which saying it's not that effective. Um, more effective in secondary schools and primary schools if you look at the Sutton Trust. Yeah, that's a significant like addition to learning though. Fourteen hours a week—that yeah. is like. If you if you did that across our curriculum, each subject would be getting an additional couple of hours. You know, that's kind of you know, timetable time that you people would be craving to cover content or whatever. It's so. nearly three days worth, isn't it? I think it's a massive balancing act, isn't it? You know, yeah. do do we actually want our pupils to go home and to have other experiences, or do we want them all going it going home and think of an idyllic situation? They've got a study, they sit down, they work for two hours solid. I know that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. You know. I think it's a massive balancing act between giving them different opportunities and actually having time to maybe just socialise. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, how much of it is a, a cultural thing maybe? How much of it is kind of, you know, the whole education system, if it's done consistently across the entire nation, then it's almost like that expectation. But I think you're right. I think does that come at a cost of some of the other aspects? Yeah, I mean, also as well, actually, for the teacher perspective from the profession, having to set that volume... And also then presumably collect it in and do something with it, whether it's market or, or feedback on it. You'd think that if they're setting it, they'd want some sort of response to it. So, yeah. It's, it's I guess there has to be a balance, doesn't there? Yeah. There is there is a place for homework in our system. And yeah. I guess it's that balance. Um, yeah, I, I personally think homework is definitely more useful in secondary school. And I think it's kind of, there's no reason homework can't also kind of in that kind of social side kind of that collaboration side of things which obviously are in a hugely important part of our kind of education system now it would be really interesting and we'd have to go and do some further research on this would be what does that homework look like you know is it an add-on you know is it in addition to or is it an extension of work yeah. is it work they're not covering in the classroom because the content of their exams are much bigger you know i'm putting it out there i don't know yeah. the answer i mean I'm speaking very generically now about sort of the kind of generic teenage person that we may encounter, but 
when you think about some of the battles we have, you know, two hours of kind of Xbox or two hours of PlayStation is probably nothing for a teenage, young teenage person these days or interacting on screen time, FaceTime, whatever it is. Um, so actually that kind of like, is it more that we're trying to battle with and compete against things like that and we'd actually satisfy our sort of need for not necessarily homework being a project or a kind of task, but actually just as long as they're not kind of rotting their brains with that sort of rubbish and actually just getting on with any other task other than kind of like mundane in, in, you know, internet time, I don't know. I guess I guess another way of looking at it as well, though, is be how could we use that stuff that does hook them yeah. at home? How could we use those computers, yeah. Instagram, Snapchat, to kind of, could that be incorporated into homework time? I don't know. Could it be? Well, it's not going away, is it? It's no. never going to go away. And this generation of kind of, that's part and parcel of what comes with the territory, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing we're talking about here is the content's important. The length of time isn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we say this, we set work and whenever we you do a survey, some people say you've got too much, some yeah. people say you've got too little. There's always going to mm -hmm. be that. And actually, you set a piece of homework and it could take pupil X two hours it could take people why five minutes yeah. and you, you know trying to strike that balance is always going to be difficult yeah I, that, 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 I always think that with homework I don't think we should stipulate how, you know, how long this piece of string is it's kind of almost well what's the task do you, you know, do you have the kind of standards to say doing it to the best of your ability rather than just do it for the sake of doing it and that's kind of really important for me in terms of actually pupils responding to that knowing that actually what they're doing is, is important and valid and you know, the response from the member of staff is important as well. And I think kind of, if you think about kind of current context in the world in terms of COVID and the whole change to home learning, I think actually it's kind of highlighted a really kind of significant part towards homework in terms of the context of individual pupils. Yeah. And actually, you know, is the homework you're setting actually suitable or accessible for all pupils? You know, if it's requiring a computer or, you know, stuff like that, it's, you know, I think... For me, that's kind of probably more important at the moment than maybe how much homework I'm setting is actually, is it accessible? Is it, you know, for all pupils in their context? Yeah. I mean, it's 2020 and this thing, this COVID, the whole situation has highlighted how little some, some families have at home and how little interaction. And even families that you'd, you know, I think of my own situation, it's my work laptop. My work laptop's at home. So actually my children don't have access to devices and yet I'd consider myself... Yeah. Uh, in that kind of category of being able to access most things but actually it's not that easy that's yeah exactly the same for me i literally my device the one device i have that I can get onto the internet at home is my mobile yeah. which yeah. never do a word document on that either no as easy or you know put together a presentation it's gonna be pretty difficult yeah. it'd be interesting to see actually during covid how home learning was in China. How did pupils get on? What did it look like? Yeah. Were they kind of, you know, if they're doing 14 hours of homework on average a week, you'd like to think, or you would assume, not saying that their home learning during COVID has actually been quite good. Yeah. If there's anyone who teaches in China and yeah. knows how this is, please do get in contact, yeah. share. Well, I think we want to hear from anybody. So what are people's yeah. opinions on homework? Yeah. Should we stipulate a length of time? Yeah. What should that homework look like? Should we have any homework? I think, um, as we said at the beginning, jury's out on this one and hearing people's opinions on this would be really useful to add to the conversation and the debate. Yeah, certainly. Tune 
Due to COVID-19, some of our interviews have had to take place remotely and therefore we apologise in advance of the sound quality. Okay, so for today's episode, I'm joined by Peter, who's a head of year from another school. Uh, introduce yourself, Pete. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, Peter's wife, head of year. Excellent. Great. Um, so we're going to start with our quick fire round questions, um, which we've kind of perfected over the last couple of episodes. Um, so you just need to say the first thing that comes to your mind, uh, first answer, okay? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so number one, if you had to sacrifice, sacrifice one of your holidays, which one would it be? Um... Probably Easter, because I don't think you can sacrifice summer or Christmas, so too valuable. Okay, would that be both weeks or just one, uh, just one of the weeks? Oh, well, yeah, if I've got the choice of uh, only one, then that'll be fine, yeah. Okay, and number two, if you've been given cover last period on a Friday, what is your reaction? Um, a little bit of disappointment um, behind the scenes, but obviously when you get in front of the kids, you've got to play the game. <laughs> that's a good answer so yeah um i think everyone's going to be met with a little bit of disappointment but you know <laughs> gotta go for it and uh number three um inset day or a twilight uh definitely a twilight for me oh, definitely okay. like to get it done straight away after school and then maybe cash in a couple of inset days at the end of a term and yeah. kind of had that for the holiday yeah add that into the holiday yeah definitely then you can brag to your other teacher friends <laughs> with the ones who are still in school yeah yeah unfortunately i seem to be on the wrong end of that most times but uh, question four uh, year seven or year 11 uh year seven for me um that was something that was part of my job for a number of years was year sevens and seeing them come in bright-faced you know young still a lot, lot to learn i think that's a lot a lot better in my opinion than the year 11s that seem to think they know everything already Okay, good answer. Uh, last question, number five. If your classroom was on fire, what two items would you save? Uh, first thing would definitely be a board clicker uh, to change the slides. That's uh, my most, most valuable tool in the classroom. I like to move around, <laughs> so I wouldn't want to leave that behind. Um, secondly, uh, probably a pen. I like to have a pen in my hand. I like to click the lid, I like to put it behind my ear. It just gives me that little bit of confidence and a bit of comfort, I think, when I'm teaching. So them two things, I think, quite quick and easy to grab. Okay, do you have a... I'm getting out of there. We have a bit of a, a running theme going on with the podcast. Do you, do you have a favourite type of pen? A favourite pen? Uh, it's a blue Bic is my favourite. Is it a Bic crystal? Um, I think it might be, actually, yeah. Yeah, so we, we're, yeah. we're big fans of the Bic crystal 1.6 mil. Yeah, and definitely blue. It has to be blue, in my opinion. Okay, interesting. And so, just uh, so that would be a board clicker and a pen, mm. but you wouldn't save the kids. I mean, I'd hope they'd save themselves. That's the way I was looking at it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they'd save themselves. <laughs> I hope they'd be smart enough to leave themselves. Yeah, without my uh, grabbing each of them. Okay, good answers. <laughs> it'd be difficult to grab two out of the class as well. So. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Wait, you'd have to maybe pick can't your favourites. No, you can't. <laughs> Good answers. Okay. Um, so we've asked you to come to this podcast to provide a little insight into the kind of the life as ahead of year. Um, I suppose my kind of my first question is, and kind of probably quite relevant for those who don't do the role, is how does that role differ from being, you know, just the kind of normal classroom teacher? Uh, well, I think. I think you get a lot more of a personalised approach uh, to a lot of the students. Uh, when you're in your, in your lessons and you've got, you know, an hour lesson, you're there to deliver the content. 
Um, and it seems a little bit sometimes it's, you know, you've got your lesson plan, you know what you've got to get through. You don't really have time to sort of interact with the students and get to know them. Um, so when you're ahead of you, you really do get to know each student as an individual. Um, and you're also, you know, you're offering them some support. And it's not just academic, you know, it's not about, you know, how they're evaluating things or how they're analysing things. It's a lot more about their personal issues and their personal barriers to learning. So whether that's, you know, attendance and something to do with, you know, things at home or their behaviour or anything else like that. You know, you could have a, a kid in your class who, you know, comes in always well dressed, without right equipment, answers all the questions and leaves, and you think, you know, that's a you know fine kid, but there might be other things behind that student that make them tick and make them different, and you know what they're about. And I think when you're ahead of you, you really sort of have that personalised approach with each student. You get to know them a little bit better, and I, you know, I think that's really important. Okay, so would you say that's kind of the most rewarding aspect of your your kind of role in the school? Yeah, definitely, you know, because you know, when you see your students come in at the beginning of the year, whether that's, you know, first day of year seven or you're ahead of year, you know, you do see them progress. And I think when you see them every single day, every single morning, you get to know them and you see them go from, you know, a young year seven where they're quiet and they're a bit, you know, don't know what to do with themselves to as they progress through groups through the year that, you know, the kind of adults they become. So I think that is really rewarding. Um, and like, I think the fact that we get to make an impact, um, you know, they, like I said, you see them every single morning, they sort of rely on you, you become a familiar face. Um, and you do see a different side of them when you're outside the classroom. You know, I always encourage, um, you know, teachers in my team to, you know, take extracurricular clubs or do things like that where you actually get to see the students outside of the classroom because I think that's the most rewarding part of it. Um, yeah, and, you know, the fact that the job's quite challenging as well, you know, I always say that you don't get, ever get two t- days the same, everything's different and, you know, it's never dull, so it's always a challenge, so I think that's quite a rewarding part of the job as well for me. Okay, good answer. How You kind of mentioned in there that you kind of, when you're doing your classroom practice and things and the pastoral is very different, how is it balancing those two roles? Yeah, it, it can be difficult. I think the fact that um, I've done it for six years now, I think, I hope I'm a little bit more experienced of it, but the fact that you are ahead of you and a teacher, you don't want to do either job by half. You don't want to sacrifice your teaching because you're so focused on, you know, your head of your responsibilities and you don't want it to be the other way around as well, that, you know, you're dealing with, you know, an incident at break time and then you're, you're 10 minutes late to your lesson, you're not quite prepared and your teaching suffers because of that. So I think that balance is really important. Um, and the issue, well, not really the issue, the thing with head of year is that um, you have to be very flexible because it's not uh, a job where you can turn up and know exactly what's going to happen in the day. It might be that you have a really quiet day where you know nothing happens or, you know, all of a sudden there's a CP case dropping at your door or a student that needs some support and it just sort of throws your day off. So unless you're sort of really um, sorted in terms of your lessons and your planning, um, and your time management, it could be that, you know, it's going to affect you and, you know, the, the role of head of year is going to overdo your teaching. Um, so obviously you don't want it to affect your day-to-day. So I think that time management thing and the, the planning aspect of it to make sure that you are flexible um, is key. Yeah. Well, I, as coming from a head of year background myself, I know, especially my first year, that that was the challenge. You feel like you're ready and yeah. then that is the one thing that you've got to really try and work on. Yeah, I think saying that you're prepared or planned or you know exactly how the day's going to go, you're setting yourself up for failure. So you always need to have, 
you know, a little card in your back pocket ready to go or a lesson that you're confidently teaching that you know you're going to be able to deliver under pressure uh, when there's other things going on, you know, in your lesson and with the, with your year group. Okay, good. And um, my final question is, um, so if you anyone out there who's listening, if they're thinking of becoming a head of year or going down that pastoral route, um, what, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, well, for me personally, my experiences of um, coming into head of year was to, to get that good experience by shadowing another head of year. Um, I was a form tutor um, and I had a head of year who was someone who worked in my department and I sort of shadowed them. I got them to sort of talk me through some of the things they were doing. Uh, I got the, uh, They got me to help with operational things such as like, you know, little things like helping the year group into an assembly or organising something after school, um, you know, asking questions and even like taking a small like, little intervention group. So it was a case that there was some attendance issues in the year group uh, and I took them for like a little 10 minute interview part at the end of the day where I got the group in and helped them with their attendance issues. So it wasn't a massive um, time consumption, but it was just little things here and there that gave me a little bit of an understanding about the job. Um, and it allowed me when I did go for an interview to use that as part of a, you know, as my my application to say that, you know what, I've done this and I have understand this and I've looked into that and I know how it works. Um, so definitely, you know, go and get some experience, speak to your heads of years in your current school. Um, and the other thing, just, you know, like we said about balancing roles, making sure that you're, you're confident in your teaching and you can do that job to a high standard so that when you take on another role and another responsibility, that that teaching doesn't suffer because, you know, like I said, it's about being flexible and it's about having that time that's going to change. You know, one day you could be really busy, one day you're really quiet and be prepared to have very, very many cold cups of tea sitting in your desk, I think is probably <laughs> the best advice I can give <laughs> the amount of times I've had a tea ready and it never gets drunk. No, of course. Um, okay, well, well, some great answer and some really good ideas out there for people who are thinking of doing it. So um, thank, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to Little Insights today. Uh, thank you to our guest also for the episode. Uh, if you would like to get in touch or get in contact or even get involved and be part of the show, then we'd love to hear from you. Our Twitter handle is at, little, at Insights Little and our Instagram is Insights Little, which is really simple and easy to remember. So get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Have a fantastic day and stay classy. Oh, 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 oh.